T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Now it's time for Inside the Clubhouse, a show dedicated to the Chicago baseball fan, featuring the best Chicago baseball conversation as well as the big MLB topics, along with the biggest names, greatest guests, and listener interaction. Starring Score Baseball Insider Bruce Levine and Matt Spiegel. It all starts right here, right now, on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago's sports station. Well, 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 good morning, baseball fans. Nice to be here with you on a Saturday morning. The winter meetings are upon us. My partner, Bruce Levine, is out the door right after the show, immediately. I have one foot out already. I'm, I'm already halfway to over here. Just one one nice, solid shove should get you all the way out the door, possibly. And, and uh, many of our cohorts here would willingly give me that shove out the door here. Yeah, but I, I want you to go just so you can get all the news, get all the stories. I'm picturing you at 2 in the morning, Bruce, waiting for the GMs to gather around and make trades on cocktail napkins as you report back home. Yeah, that used to happen in 1990, but uh, no longer the case. Uh, it's a different group of uh, general managers now. Different group of baseball people do most everything by text or by um, email. So uh, it, it's it's going to be fun. I th- we look like uh, for a change this year, a change from the last couple years, Matt, um, there's activity in the baseball marketplace, which is really, really good. And um, I'm, I'm happy about that. You see the White Sox being proactive. Mm-hmm. You see uh, many teams signing free agents, making trades. Uh, that's all a good part of this right now. Yeah, right now this is a, an offseason with straight-up momentum. And we have not had an active, happening offseason like this as we hit the winter meetings in a while. Even just yesterday with Tommy Pham for Hunter Renfro with some other pieces attached to a trait where the Rays get four years of Renfro and a middle infield prospect uh, who they like an awful lot for Tommy Pham. The Padres have been active and big, big names on the trade market, Bruce. I mean, most people think that one of Francisco Lindor, Mookie Betts, or Chris Bryant is going to get dealt, and that could happen this very week. Wilson Contreras' name is yep. out there. There's all kinds of big names out there, and a lot of it is about pay- <laughs> payroll constraint, Matt. Mm-hmm. Uh, saving money, um, having to stay under the luxury tax. Yep. Um, it's sad when you, you hear markets like Boston, Chicago, Los Angeles all worried about, hey, if we go over the luxury tax, we're going to have to pay a few million dollars. Therefore, maybe we won't put out the best team. And when the when the big market teams hesitate to spend, and, and good news is the Yankees don't look like one of those teams this year, uh, that's that's when the, I, I think the the sport suffers. Well, this this could be we could be set up for a historic bidding war in terms of Garrett Cole and or Steven Strasburg here because there are circumstances that really set up well for them, and we can talk about that at some point. But there are really good teams, like you say, like the Red Sox and like the Cubs, trying to uh, fight their way to some. 
to some payroll control, yeah, I, and, it, and it feels awkward. I mean, look. It does. The Cubs won in 2016. Houston won in 2017. Boston won in 2018. You're not hearing them ab- talking about adding players at all. Mm. You're hearing subtracting. You're, you're going to see Houston lose Cole this year. You're going to see Houston lose Verlander next year. So even though it's a powerhouse team with a very good farm system, um, sustainable, great teams are very difficult to keep around now, Matt, because of the fact that none of these owners are willing to go over the luxury tax. Yeah, what you need is what the Nationals have had, that steady flow of cheap young talent like Soto and Rendon after Harper leaves. Yeah. You've got those guys, but now they're going to lose Rendon. Uh, they'll probably they'll lose either Rendon or Strasburg. Right. One of the learners said this week that they're not going to be able to sign so, both so of them. So now that's the fourth team that's won a championship that yep. say, you know what? God, we had a great team. We won. But we can't afford two thirty million dollar contracts, you know, for the next six, seven years. I mean, Strasburg turned down he he ended a contract that would pay him a hundred million over the next four years. I know. In the fourth year of that deal, Matt, he was gonna make forty million dollars, okay, in the fourth year of that contract. Yeah, I I'm surprised he hasn't already signed with the Nationals. It's an interesting thing for me. I think a lot of us thought he was gonna quickly use the leverage like Kershaw did in LA and get one extra year of he uh, might. Of I mean by the end of the winter meetings, maybe he goes back there and if he was gonna make a hundred, maybe the next four is now hundred and seventy five. Hmm. Okay, so but what if okay the Yankees sign Cole uh for two hundred and seventy five million is is Strasburg going to take a uh, hundred million dollars less? You know, and who's the agent for both? Scotty Boris, baby. You bet. Scotty Boris is a very active, active man. Although his guys have not signed. Has he had any? I mean, there's been a lot of signings, but has yeah, a single. Yeah, Mustakas. Mustakas is a Boris mm-hmm. guy. There you go. But uh, otherwise, uh, most of his guys, like Castellanos and. Cole and Strasburg and Hyunjin Ryu, who I want to talk about with you as well. It's inside the clubhouse on 670 Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. He's Bruce Levine. A couple of guests coming up today. Steve Ciszek on what life is like as a free agent. That's at 930 today. And we can look back on the 2019 Cubs a little bit as well. Yeah, and uh, he's out there looking around, as you said, as a free agent. And then on top of that, we have Rick Hahn, the general manager of the White Sox, to help us uh, preview what uh, the White Sox might be looking for. I'm sure mm-hmm. he's going to tell us every guy that he's looking at and how much money he's going to spend. Well, we'll certainly try and get out and get it out of him. A very interesting week for the White Sox. They uh, were reportedly the highest bidder on Zach Wheeler and yet missed out. And then there was a conversation about the conversation that took place this week in yeah. terms of like, hey, so, is it good for them to be putting it out there? Whatever. It, it, just quickly on that, can, can I say, Bruce, yeah, that... Yeah. It, I was going to say, I saw your tweet yeah. and, I, and I saw you took some exception to um to it go ahead yeah that if if you're going to say that it is good to announce to the baseball world that you are a player by signing Yasmani Grandal as aggressively as you did most people's number five or number six free agent something like that if if you're acknowledging that that's good to announce to the world that you are aggressive and spending money, then you can't say it's bad to announce to the world that you were the high bidder for Zach Wheeler. That's intellectually dishonest. It, it doesn't to me. It doesn't come off like, oh, nobody wants us. It comes off like a continuation of the message you're trying to send, which is. We our time is right now. We are going for it. And here we are. I don't think it made them look bad at all, in my opinion. Okay. 
I, I mean, uh, you know, some people thought that um, because they announced, uh, you know, they, through different media sources that they had given more money that they were being defensive about it. Yeah. Um, I, I, I agree that uh, when you uh, pay, when you offer the most money and the guy decides because maybe his future wife wants to stay out east that they don't want them, I, I, I don't see any reason to be defensive about it. I don't. No, uh, it, I, no. There's not. I don't think there's anything to be defensive about. I think, but if anything, there. If it's a little bit of an overcorrection publicly after what happened last year in terms of the underpay or the underbid on Manny Machado and how that was all, how that all came out and what they sounded like afterwards. I mean, this is better. You're in a much better place in terms of what you're doing and what people think of you right now. And that's it's good. right, but I mean the sensitivity is still there. That hey, uh, we're we're still trying to get people. We got Grandel, mm-hmm. but we're still trying to get people to take us seriously as contenders for the future and beyond. And I, I understand that. I mean, the Cubs went through the same thing before they got Lester. Uh, remember, Annabelle Sanchez turned down eighty million dollars from them. Uh, Tanaka turned down one hundred and twenty-five million dollars from them to go to the Yankees. There was that same sensitivity of, hey, you know what? You're you're not the team I want to go to to win a championship. You're not ready yet. And until John Lester showed up, and then the the Cubs completed all that by spending you know three hundred and thirty million dollars on four guys. Um, that that changed the whole dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, the White Sox, in terms of what their targets are right now, uh, Bruce, because they're not going to be in on Garrett Cole. Uh, I don't think they'll be in on Steven Strasburg. We know that they targeted Zach Wheeler. Um, guys on the bottom of the starting pitcher list are starting to fade away. Cole Hamels goes to Atlanta. Michael Pineda to Minnesota. Jordan Lyles to the Rangers. We're looking at the three lefties, aren't we? Bumgarner and Dallas Keuchel and Hyun Jin Ryu. I think they right. have to close on one of those three. Well, they do. But, you know, again, what's the price of poker now? So it's already established for what would you call Wheeler, a three He's a number three pitcher. Yeah, he's got the stuff of a of a two. Okay, so everybody's with the track record of a four. Everybody's everybody's counting on that, but mm-hmm. you know, survey says you know number three pitcher. So if he got one hundred and eighteen million, that means that he's making twenty three million dollars a year. What is the next layer? I mean, what does Bumgarner, Keuchel, and Ryu expect? In the way of remuneration. Well, I think Bumgarner is is expecting something around that Wheeler money, like a hundred million dollars for Bumgarner, which scares me. Scares right. me an awful lot uh, in in terms of I, I love his makeup, obviously, and his postseason success, but his road splits were awful last year, and I worry about uh, worry about his arm and the decay. I, I, I'm I'm with you on that. I, I'm concerned about the wear and tear. Yeah. Okay. I believe there's only so many pitches in a guy's arm. Okay. Uh, some guys going back in history, the Tommy Johns and the Frank Tananas and uh, people like that could come, could reinvent themselves from throwing 98 miles an hour to uh, throwing 88, 90 and getting people out. For the record, I will never not smile at a Frank Tanana reference. Right. Never. Of course. It's my guy. <laughs> but I mean, th- these are unique. Can Bumgarner be a dominant pitcher again? He had a healthy year this year. He made all of his starts. The two previous years, not so good. 
I think there was a bike accident, um, you know, not necessarily arm issue, but a lot of miles on the arm. So mm-hmm. are you going to give him five years and $100 million? I mean, somebody is. I guess. Or at four or four years and 90 or something like that. I would feel a lot better with four. Yeah. I mean, again, it's not our money, but again, it is our money because uh, the residual dollars do come from the fans. And and, and then there's Keuchel. So, you know, and, and I've really liked the idea of Keuchel in terms of his stuff and how it's going to age and his postseason experience, et cetera. And he was really good down the stretch in Atlanta. But overall, I, I, he's just, I just, there's not ace stuff you're, in you're, there. For again, me. You're, you're paying for a four. Now, what do the White Sox want? They already feel they have an ace in Giolito. Okay. They feel they have two guys that are twos and threes mm. in Cease and Lopez. That remains to be seen. Okay. You have Kopech coming off of Tommy John surgery. Um, there's a chance he doesn't even start in the major leagues because uh, he might need uh, some time in the minor leagues to get himself together after missing a year. Only, uh, you know, what, one game or two games in the major leagues? So it's not a slam dunk. So they, they don't need one. They need they need two veteran pitchers to fortify the staff if they're going to make a run at the division. The guy that I would target and close a deal with is Hyunjin Ryu. And I know that there's been lots of injuries, but most of them have not been arm. In fact, there's been no arm injuries since 2016 for Ryu. It's been a lot of right. groin issues for him. And last year, he was brilliant. One of the best pitchers in baseball for a good long while last year. Finished second in the, in the Cy Young voting. And, and and yes, there's there's uh, again he hasn't really he hasn't made what thirty starts in uh, since, since 2013, right? But he made the 29 last year and awfully good. He's incredibly high ground ball rate, induces weak contact, um, barrels and hard hit percentage and all of that. It just gets people out in a lot of different ways. Very very smart, beloved as a teammate apparently, mm-hmm. having uh, done some reading about about it on that front. And I just think and the other thing is. I don't think you're going to have to give four or five years for Hyunjin Ryu. I think you could give him a three-year deal at top dollar and get it done because of his age and injury history. I don't know about that because the rest of the market's going to dictate that. So if Bumgarner gets five and uh, Keiko get five, he's going to take three. And and he's the best pitcher left on the marketplace. Yeah, but he's what, I mean, he's, that's thir- wish- he's 33. I know, but right? it's wishful thinking. Yeah, you know, I think to say, well... Bruce, you and I agree that he should get three years, and I, I do agree with you. But the market will dictate what he gets, and he's still right now arguably the third best pitcher, uh, one of the three best pitchers left in the marketplace after Cole and Strasburg. Cole and Strasburg are in their own strategy. They're there for three teams right now, is the way I see it. Four. So you got Washington, the Yankees, the Dodgers, and the Angels. I don't really see. You know, there's always that. There's, there's always the the John Heyman surprise team out there, <laughs> the right? mystery team. Mystery yeah. team is gonna, and and maybe there will be. But when you're talking two hundred and fifty to three hundred million dollars, big market behemoths here too. <laughs> serious, right. well, I mean, serious bidders. I heard you know somebody on Sirius XM on the MLB uh, radio the other day uh, talking about how they don't think Strasburg's a one; that he's a two. And um, I'm thinking, yeah, he's a two if you have, maybe if you have... Max, um, if you have Max Scherzer. Scherzer or Cole, maybe. Um, 
He's not. He's no. He's no number two. He, What's a, yeah. yeah? He's he's a solid one. One of the top pitcher, top five number ones in baseball. What's amazing about Strasburg is when he showed up, it was so much about stuff. It was like, oh my god, look, the changeup is ninety two or whatever it right. was, right? And the fastball at a yeah. hundo. And now he's he's an artist. As well, he has learned how to pitch. He's gone curveball crazy in really, really good ways, and he just he just knows what the hell he's doing on top of everything else now. Let's uh, go to the phone lines, Matt, and um, talk to the people that want to talk to you. Hey, it's Gary in Pingree Grove. Good morning, Gary. Happy Saturday. Happy Hot Stove. Welcome to Inside the Clubhouse. What's up? Yeah, happy holidays. You too. Uh, I, I, are the Cubs even going to be a contender this year? I mean, they have so many holes to fill. They need a, they need a quality starter. They, they don't need another number five starter. They have plenty of those. Their bullpen, I couldn't name three guys who are any good in the bullpen. Wick, Wick, uh, and... They need uh, a second baseman and a center fielder. Yeah, they got a lot Sounds of... like a furniture store, really. What's that? Wick, Wick, and... Um, and, uh, and Morrow, Craig, apparently. And Kimbrell. And, yeah. and Kimbrell. Yeah, Morrow. Right. Um, Gary, you, don't, you, you think they're not even going to be a contender? Well, they're not going to spend any money, it seems like, and how do you fix all of those problems? They'll, they'll well, they're going to fix them Theo with... Epstein, uh, Theo Epstein's... <laughs> Epstein's on uh, he, Theo Epstein's on record saying they're going after a starting pitcher. Now, how it'll fit in economically, whether it's through a trade or through free agency, we don't know. We we do know that uh, the economics of their situation they're they're at one hundred and eighty three million dollars right now for seventeen players. Okay, so uh, the the um, luxury tax is at uh, two. Uh, Two hundred and eight million, so it gives them about thirteen to fifteen million dollars flexibility. You still have to add in the other seven players on the team. It's going to cost you three or four million dollars, uh, maybe a little more. And then on top of that, um, you're you're going to have to try to fit in somebody mm-hmm. via free agency or trade that's probably going to be making a lot of money. So it's it's a tough mix for uh, Epstein. Now that's why you continue to hear moving. Chris Bryant. Because his arbitration number that he's going to end up with is going to be very high. It's going to be $18 million. Mm-hmm. So that's sad, but I mean, you're hearing the same thing with Boston and Mookie Betts. And Cleveland and Francisco Lindor. You know, yeah, it's like, yeah, you're great players, but you're running out of contract, and we need to make repairs in two or three different areas, and we don't have the money to do it because our owner is saying, hey, we're not paying the luxury tax again. And- I understand it if I'm an owner. I don't want to continue to pay over amount to the other teams. As uh, as Mr. Ricketts said uh, here on, with Mully and Haw about 10 days ago, it's it's dead money when you're uh, paying the other owners You know, for these players. The money goes back to them. I understand Gary's distress, and he's a longtime vocal and thoughtful Cub fan. They have to nail this offseason. And they're being very aggressive right now, throwing the names of their players out there, and the talks are, are are happening. They really have to nail whatever trade they can pull off and decide to pull off with a member of the core because of the financial inflexibility you're talking about. They've got to absolutely nail it and then sign those two or three medium to low-end free agents that, you know, that, I, that that hit, unlike last year with Descalso and Brad Brock. As, as Zach Withers and I were talking about earlier this morning, their, their window is now. Mm-hmm. They still have two years left in this window. But because of failed contracts to free agents, it's skewed uh, what they want to do because they're maxed out. And look, 
Darvish pitched great in the second half last year. He's one of the top pitchers in the game. The reality of the situation is from the Chatwood money that they spent on him and from Darvish that they spent on him two years ago, they've gotten like nine wins, okay? I know wins are not a big stat at these days. We, t- we talk about uh, the residual numbers being more important. But you got to win some ball games, and and Chatwood couldn't start for you in 2019, mm-hmm. and Darvish, you know, had all these um, really good starts, but with no wins. You spent money, and you don't have the results back. So what do you have to do? You have to go out and get in mid year, late in the year 2018. You had to spend money on bringing in Hamels, and then you had to give them the 20 million dollars. On top of it, right, which really screwed up their payroll last year because they couldn't count on Chatwood. You know who I blame for all of this, Bruce? It's those cheating Astros in 2017 that got in you Darvish's head and screwed the pooch for his 2018 season. The you know, domino effect was massive. Yeah. If you're that soft, then you can't pitch in the Let's <laughs> Let's grab one more real quick before we take a break. This is John in Aurora on 670 The Score. Hello, John. How are you? Hey, morning, guys. I'm calling in on the way to work. How are you guys doing this Good, morning? Good. Excellent. Uh, yeah, uh, a couple of things I wanted to say, and something that's been ignored for several seasons now. Um, the Cubs need to fix the top of the lineup and get somebody that they can put in there every single day to be a leadoff hitter. And every year we keep ignoring it. I know Theo Epstein keeps talking about this on-base percentage, he believes, by all the guys in the lineup. I'm, a, I'm a, on that uh, train of belief myself. But you've got to fix the top of the lineup. This has been a problem for four years now. Um, and something else, too. We've been on this Albert Almora train too long. He's been overrated for a long time. And I was wondering if, he, if they're planning on even moving him. Uh, he's not a leadoff hitter, and I know all the fans called in all these years thinking that he was going to be the next great thing, but he really hasn't been. So I was wondering what you guys thought about the opinion on this. Thanks. Thanks, Thank John. Appreciate it. Well, you know, look, Elmore is a uh, – right now is a fourth outfielder, okay? You can't say anything else. Now, if he goes to another team – Maybe a fifth. They yeah. want to invest – you know, it goes to another market team where they want to invest 600 bats in him, still a young player maybe, but – Everything tells you that he's a fourth or fifth outfielder, right? That's just the way it is. So, uh, leadoff man, you know, there's one solution out there. If you want to give some of your young players for Starling Marte for the next two years, that might be a nice piece. I'll I'll say this. um, I think they now believe what a lot of us have thought. Um, they now have to begrudgingly believe it. Hitting leadoff is different. Just like those ninth inning outs are different, hitting leadoff from a mentality perspective and uh, you know from an approach perspective is just a different animal. You can't just throw somebody in there and say it's the same as every other spot. This Hour on the Score is brought to you by Cars for Kids. Call 1-877-CARS-FOR-KIDS. Rick Hahn, the White Sox GM, at the top of the hour. Before then, free agent Steve Ciszek on life in hot stove season and the 2019 Cubs. Keep it right here on Inside the Clubhouse on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. 
After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter, and Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. The bottom of the hour here on 670 The Score is brought to you by the Chicago Wolves. One week from tonight, join the Chicago Wolves for Star Wars Night at Allstate Arena. Ticket packages include a laser saber. Visit ChicagoWolves.com or call 1-800-THE-WOLVES. You're listening to Inside the Clubhouse here on 670 The Score. I'm Matt Spiegel. He is Bruce Levine. And our next guest joins us on the Al Pimonte Ford Hotline, Al Pimonte Ford in Melrose Park. Steve Ciszek, former Cub and now free agent, a good friend of the show, is joining us on Inside the Clubhouse. Good morning, Steve. How are you? Uh, Good morning, guys. Doing great. How are you Uh, guys doing? So free agency, uh, again, you know, you've been there before, signed a nice contract with the Cubs a few years ago. How has it uh, treated you so far in this offseason? We're about uh, almost five or six weeks into it right now. Um, It's been good so far. You know, just still waiting on uh, some offers and stuff like that. But um, for me, it's just, you know, all that's out of my control. So I have an agent. So I uh, I just, you know, go into offseason training, um, looking at stuff to improve for next year, and then kind of taking it step by step. And, you know, when offers come in, then, you know, we kind of go that route. But for now, I'm just, you know, training and then enjoying time with the family. How is uh, how is this particular free agency period different than than others you've had? Uh, if it is, Steve, in terms of success or or the spot you are in in your career. I mean, I think last. I mean, so it's my third time doing it. The first time I was non-tendered, so um, I was. It was kind of a little different for me because I've never been in that situation before. But I think you know, with the last two times, it's kind of prepared me for this year. I'm a lot more relaxed and just kind of going with the flow and just letting things happen versus, you know, asking questions to my agent all the time. Hey, who's, who's calling, you know, all this stuff. I'm just kind of just saying, Hey, whatever comes up, just let me know. And, um, I'm just focused on training and getting better. And, um, you know, it's kind of the approach I've taken, you know, this off season. So it's just, if anything, it's just made it a lot easier having gone through it before. Steve, you know, you get to the tender age, you're going to be pitching at 36. Is that right? And you've been around for a long time. You throw 150 games over two years with the Cubs. That included a brief stint on the IL. So you you were on pace for half the games both years. Um, that's the good news. I, every time I talk to you about, hey, take a day off, or you know, don't show up today. You know, take you you know, I would kid around with you, and you'd say, hey, I love to pitch. I'm ready to pitch. You know, I'm blessed with an arm that allows me to do these things. But at some point, uh, does it work against you when you're when you're there every day and more often than anyone else in the bullpen? Um, I mean, I guess to some degree, yeah, for sure. You know, I, I know when you know I'm more fatigued than usual. Uh, I may not, you know, say because I want to be out there as much as I can. I mean, that, we all, none of us, feel a hundred percent all the time, you know. Um, but for me, I, you know, just the competitive side. You know, you just want to be out there with your guys. Um, to, you know, try to help the team win. You know, that's what that's why we play this game. And I don't like to, if I can help it, sit on the sidelines. But, um, you know, if I'm really hurting, like, I'll say something. You know, hey, I need a day. You know, I was able to communicate mm-hmm. that a couple times over the last, you know, a couple of years. With, not not too uh, many times. Cubs. 
Yeah, it didn't <laughs> seem like it too much, but uh, you know, the, the, they're always asking and stuff too. So I try to be honest with myself, but you know, most people, you know, <laughs> most guys are not going to be totally honest. You know, they they want to be out there competing, and uh, but yeah, you gotta you do gotta watch out because when you're on a roll and you're tired, but you're still getting the job done, that that takes a toll down the road as well. You know, I remember, remember talking about it with you during the year, Steve, on this show. And, and, and when you would get a little tired, uh, you told us how it would kind of manifest. Things would flatten out just, uh, just a little bit. And, and, and I'm wondering now it, if it affected the numbers at all. And here you are in, the free, in free agency and you've got other teams looking at the numbers. Is, is it hard for you not to be upset about some overusage if it affected your results and might affect future earnings and all that stuff? How do you, how do you think about that after a season like you just had? You know, um, I think at the end of the day, like when my career's you know, over, and I can look back at it and say, did I give everything I possibly had? If I can honestly say yes, then I'll be happy with that, you know? So for me, it's just going out there every day, giving everything I possibly have, and you know, like like you say, if if, if I'm fatigued and you know the numbers aren't there, it could hurt me. Like it's fine. Like I've, you know, I've honestly I've, you know, made more money than I could ever imagine just as a major league minimum. So anything else right. is a bonus. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah, you've out survived. You, you've out survived tons of people. Uh, you know, in your career, so you have to feel good about that as well. For sure, you know, and. You know, like I said, at the end of the day, when my career is over, if I can look back and say, um, you know, did I give everything I possibly had every single day? And I, and I can say I did. Then, you know, I'm content with that. Does um does your agent put together, you know, when they when he's talking to people about about you, does he say, and this is how he did with some overusage? This is how he did when he was used, you know, with with good rest. Like, is there that kind of detail gone into the presentation when he meets with teams about you? Um, you know, I'm not really sure, but I don't think so. Cause I mean, put yourself in the team's position. They don't care. All they, all they care about is the numbers and how they can help their team, you know, win ball games, you know, or at least I hope they think that way. <laughs> and so, you know, guys, guys are going to pitch fatigue, you know, guys are going to pitch banged up a little bit here and there, but the bottom line is that you put up the results and that's all that people, you know, that's all that teams or people care about. Everybody took turns closing last year with Morrow not being able to make the post, uh, you know, at the beginning of the year, never pitched during the season. And until, um, you know, you, you had your closer show up in June, uh, everybody was closing and there were a lot of blown saves. Everybody stood up and, uh, you know, everybody's seemed to be proud of what they did. But, you know, the reality was 29 blown saves for the Cubs last year out of the bullpen, which is not common. What was what was the thinking like? What did, what did you guys talk about, you know, mostly in the pen while – you know, you guys were getting used uh, quite a bit, especially the first uh, three months of the season. Um, I think there's a couple of things. I think, first of all, and most importantly, like you got to get the job done no matter what. Um, yeah, there there are a lot of blown saves and stuff like that, but you know, it's tough because I want I want to know how many of those were like blown in the ninth inning too. Like there could you can get a blown save in the sixth inning, and a lot of them were come back yeah. and win. You know, so it's like yeah. I feel like that number is maybe a little bit skewed, but still, there's no excuse. Like a blown save is a blown save. That's, that's a number you don't want to have. Um, the other end, the other thing is, <laughs> this goes along to what you guys asked me earlier: is are we being honest with ourselves? You know, there was a, you know, good maybe three of us for the better part of the first half of the season that were just getting run out there quite a bit. You know, things start catching up to you a little bit, and uh, but we didn't want to back down for that. We wanted to keep doing it for the boys going out there and. Uh, 
you know, sometimes it worked out great. We had a good run for a while. The team was playing well. And then we just kind of hit a wall, I think, you know, halfway through the season. And um, it, it was just overall just a weird a weird season, you know, when offense was, you know, doing their thing, the pitching side may not have been, and then vice versa. We just didn't really, you know, connect from the second half of the season on in that regard. So, um, yeah, it it was tough. But, um, you know, we, we the bottom line is we still just need to get the job done. Steve, you've been in a lot of lot of locker rooms in winning situations, not winning situations. How was this place in September, uh, as opposed to you know the rest of the year or or even last year? Um, did, did it get quiet in there as things started to decay a little bit? In September, no. I mean, guys were fired up. We we're we we're, we we're pushing each other. Um, it was like it's almost like that feeling like all right now we got to kick it in. And it was like well we've been <laughs> we've been honestly trying to kick it in you know for most of the year since day one actually spring training that was our you know big talks and then you know we kind of started off slow obviously but then we did we we hit that stride um but you know we we had some good talks during the season i remember we were in pittsburgh and we had a uh, players only meeting and guys are getting fired up you know you know talking about changing some things that they're going to do and you know the first couple of games may not I remember in Pittsburgh, and I think it was June, where we didn't go so hot. But then we got on a, a good roll again, and it seemed like we figured things out. But we just couldn't sustain it for whatever reason. You can point your finger at many things, but the bottom line is it's hard to tell what the single factor was. But yeah, September was intense, you know, as as it was my first year on the team, and we were we were really striving to do something special. It just we fell short. You had Joe Madden as your manager for two years. Did you see any change at all from uh, from eighteen until uh, to nineteen, or was was he the consistent same guy every day out there? Was there was there any differences that you saw in him over the two year period? Um, not really. I mean, he's just a no panic type guy. Like he's you know stays the course, trust trust the process. Um, you know, he it may not seem like he asked much of us, but we know what's on the line. Like we got to win. We all have that same mentality. It's win now. Um, and with Joe, you know, he, he kind of lets the players, you know, police the locker room, um, you know, creating that culture where, you know, the veteran guys are the ones that, you know, police the locker room, stuff like that. And um, we know and he, he has high expectations for us. And I think that's why, you know, the players mesh so well with him. He's not going to be in your face, um, but he's going to have those extra expectations that you're going to prepare and do your work to, to win a ball game. And, uh, yeah, it was consistent. There was never any panic, you know, from him. Uh, I know this last year he started our halfway through the season meeting a little earlier just because things weren't going as planned, so he needed to talk to us, which was great. And, um, yeah, it was enjoyable playing for him. I want to say, Steve, nothing but respect for what you have been as as a teammate and um, and as a ball player here in this town for two years. If indeed you do move on, it's clear that you're a guy that puts team first and took the ball every time. Right, Bruce Levine? I mean, he took Absolutely. It every single time, regardless of <laughs> uh, how it felt. Can't tell you how much we appreciate, you know, just getting to know you and your friendship to the station and the show. It's It's been awesome. And uh, we're hoping, you know, you end up in Chicago, just like I said in the text to you the other day. Uh, there are... There are two teams here, you know. <laughs> no, it'd be great. You know, I love the city of Chicago. Our family really loves it, um, and we've we enjoyed our experience through the last couple of years. So I'd love to, you know, be able to do that again. One more short one uh, from me. Um, what do you see different in this off season, and collectively from the other players that you've talked to? Uh, is there a better feel good about what's going on free agent wise and trade wise this off season compared to the last two? 
I mean, obviously, yeah, it's just been it's been more active, which is nice. Um, I think I'm hoping that this uh, winter meetings. I think it was pretty slow the past couple of years during the winter winter meetings. Where you know we're obviously hoping that things will heat up even more just to create that excitement uh, for the next season for a lot of the fans. You know, I feel like you know when teams last year weren't signing guys till late, the fans were getting restless. Um, there wasn't too much you know excitement you know for the season to come for them. Like when when moves happen and players are getting signed and things are rolling. I think it just creates so much more excitement for everybody. So that's what we're hoping for. Steve, Matt, and I appreciate it very much. Have a great holiday season. We hope you land where you want to with you and your family. Thanks again for taking some time for Inside the Clubhouse and us uh, over the last couple of years. Yeah, thank you guys for having me on. Thanks for everything. All right. Appreciate Thanks. it, Steve. That's Steve Ciszek of the Chicago Cubs. We will take a break, come back to uh, or free agent, I should say. We should, uh, we will do some more baseball conversation. And Rick Hahn, the White Sox general manager, at the top of the hour. It's inside the clubhouse on 670. The score is Bruce Levine. He's still here. But the winter meetings beckons. It yearns for you. Bruce. I have one, one foot out the door. It's going to be fun. It should it, be it, it fun. Is. So, Interesting. This will be my 300th winter meetings. <laughs> by the way, Not Matt, surprised. Inside the Clubhouse brought to you by Max and Benny's, the top deli restaurant and bakery in Chicagoland. They invite you to what they call soup season at their Northbrook location. While most call it fall, Max and Benny's invites you to soup season, matzo ball, chicken noodle, kreplach, sweet and sour cabbage, and a different veggie soup seven days of the week. Max and Benny's checklist, the best deli, no doubt. Best full restaurant without question. The best full bakery, you bet. Max and Benny's has a uniquely special new meeting and special event space. They can accommodate 50 to 200 people, parties, celebrations, meetings, you name it. Max and Benny's is your catering king. Ask for John at maxandbenny's.com for great deals, complete dinners, seven days a week, 4 to 9 p.m., skirt steak, chicken, and the freshest fish in Chicago, 30 minutes from downtown, 30 minutes from the Wisconsin border. Max and Benny's where the corned beef sandwiches are piled as high as a Chicago skyscraper. So the winter meetings are technically a minor league event. It's like where all the minor league teams are there and they're networking. They're Mm -hmm. seeking uh, employees. A lot of people go there looking for jobs. Yeah, there's there's hundreds of college kids that are just uh, have graduated and uh, were in sports management or, uh, you know, sports journalism or broadcasting mm-hmm. or marketing. And they're all there meeting with uh, the minor league teams to get their first jobs. Yeah, it's a big old job fair. And, and there's also a, a baseball trade show. Yeah, have you been, Have you gone in there where oh, the yeah, vendors yeah, are there yeah. and they're showing off products of all kinds yeah, of stuff? Yeah, they give away crap and, you know. <laughs> Well, bring I mean, us some crap. But it's, it's, you Come know, on. It's, I'm, I, stuff is lousy. I'm formally mm-hmm. requesting some crap. All right. You want to like a little plastic ball with, you know, some advertising on it or. A, uh, how about a miniature bat from somebody trying to break into the Louisville slugger all market? Right. You Something know, like that. It's done. You, all right. You got it. I, I rarely take time to go through it. I, I used to, but it's, you know, it's so, so much the same every year. You know, it's right. just. It's baseball crap. We're going to get the modern era Hall of Fame class announced as well this week. Yes, so we are. Lou Whitaker fans, Dwight Evans fans. That's my guy. Uh, maybe Marvin Miller, Steve Garvey, Dale so, Murphy, guys like that. I, I have to ask you a question. All these names that come up now in this, there's probably about 10 of them right now in this yeah, list. Dave Parker. Okay. They Do they all look better now because of Harold Baines making it last year? Oh, boy. 
<laughs> That's a dangerous, dangerous. No, no. I'm just go. saying. I'm I'm saying Harold was a great player. Yes, but a lot of people took exception to the Hall of Fame qualifications. I, I think, but when you look yeah. at Harold and you look at these other guys, a lot of them are certainly his equal, and yeah. and maybe superior in some way. So, well, this is what happens when the bar gets lowered. That's and, what I'm just asking. Yeah, that. yeah no, I, I'm, it's I'm, fair, and, and I'm not. I'm a huge Harold Baines fan. I think, you know, him being in the Hall of Fame is great. I'm just saying maybe we should have a different perception now of the Hall of Fame because all these players on this list. Well, this is the I have a hard time. I, I I would say seven or eight of them on that list belong in the Hall of Fame, and because you can make great cases for them being dominant players during the era that they played. Yeah, well, that, that's interesting to me. I, I always give weight to the 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 abstract like the hall of fame instinct when we talk about Dwight Evans I loved Dwight Evans as a player but he was never one of the dominant outfielders in the game he was never one of the guys you say boy that's one of the two or three best players in the like he never really had that he ended up with the longevity and he was truly excellent but Lou Whitaker I thought was one of the best not second for, not for 19 years no, but he was one of the best second yeah, baseman in the game for a long point, time yeah I mean but, but you I, know so when, when people that, say and they start comparing his metrics to Sandberg and Roberto Alomar. It's like, give me a break. Mm-hmm. Lou Whitaker is not in the same sentence with Sandberg and Alomar. You can break down all the numbers you want, but he was never an, an MVP candidate. He was never a perennial all-star. He was a gold glover a few times. I mean, he was a very good player. So I don't think you have to diminish players that are on this list. All I'm saying is, you know, if you have Dave Parker – Dave Parker was a dominant player, that, one of the best players of all time. He had the best peak. Years. Yeah, I think he had the best peak of anybody on here. Yeah, but I mean, or Ted, Dale Murphy won back to back MVPs. Ted Simmons was a fantastic player for thirteen or fourteen years. Mm-hmm. One of the best catchers. He happened to catch in the era that Johnny Bench caught. Okay, so he didn't make as many All Star games because of that. But twenty five hundred hits. You know, the guy was a 300 hitter as a catcher, mm-hmm. power from both sides of the plate. See, poor Harold Baines. They did him a disservice in, in an odd way. I mean, hey, he gets in and that's good and good for him and everything. But now the conversation forever around Harold Baines is, boy, wait, is he one of the worst players in the Hall of Fame? And that's well, a, No, that's I don't a, think he shame. is. I think there's a lot of players that are worse than Harold. I don't think there's a worse in there. I, what my, my thought is, is that should there be more flexibility should there be more players inducted now because of the fact that um, we have metrics to look at their careers and now cases are being made for players that weren't made yep. 10 years ago. Right, retroactive cases indeed. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back on Inside the Clubhouse. Rick Hahn, the GM of the Chicago White Sox, is going to join us, talk about their offseason and where they stand in the rebuild and more. Keep it here on Inside the Clubhouse. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.